So on a scale of one to ten, how bad do you want coronavirus? Wait, say it on three. Okay. One, one two, two, three, eight. On, oh, oh, I was gonna say, <laughs> I the, we question, say the question. Again. On a scale of one. <laughs> well, no, I thought we were all saying how bad we want it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Eight. <laughs> Okay, this okay, is Okay, okay, mine's a seven, mine's a seven, mine's a seven. Bro, mine is a zero. You are... I do not want you're it. You're such a... You're such a... <laughs> Get out of Dude, here. Dude, how can you say you don't want coronavirus? Do you want to do that episode without me, bro? I can leave. You don't even have coronavirus. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> no, okay, here's why I want coronavirus. Okay. I said this to my parents the other day, and they were like... Well, at first I asked them how bad they want coronavirus, and they were like, zero. As a, as like a sensible person would yeah, say. Yeah, like, as, as Pranav Pranav your parent. Said, yeah, Pranav's like my dad, basically. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I wanted an eight. And my mom's like, Haley, you shouldn't say that. And I'm like, okay, no, listen. Listen. Um, coronavirus, if I had it, I would not die. I'd be completely fine. I'm a virile, young, healthy individual. She right? said virile. <laughs> Wait, okay, go on, no, go on, no, no, just go keep on. going. What? Go on, go on. Are totally y'all gonna go be on. No, there's my no, 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 no. It's all. It's your episode. Like, <laughs> okay, I can you, use whatever you, vocabulary, whatever language you want. <laughs> um, so I would survive. Number two, I would get so much attention. I would be the first case in Austin, and so then everybody would be like, "That That's we know of." I didn't think of that. Yeah, first case that we like, know of. Yeah. Oh, that the okay, government true. isn't keeping true, under true, wraps, true, bro. True, true. Um. So I get a lot of attention, and um, third, then like ten years from now, I can tell people like, "Oh, y'all remember coronavirus? Yeah, I had that. It's not really, <laughs> it's not really a big deal." You can put, but like, you can put in your bio, "Coronavirus survivor." <laughs> get the T-shirt made in your resume, bro. Yeah. <laughs> That's your identity, then. Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, I could become like a minor celebrity. <laughs> I could do like a little AMA, Reddit AMA. I have coronavirus. This <laughs> AMA. All the other people who are like with you. Yeah. Hi, I'm from Italy, and I also have it. I was stuck on that cruise ship. <laughs> okay, that's enough. But get out of get out of the spotlight. Okay, I no more Corona. Virus. You have Corona. Yeah. Cue the intro. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, mainly and other, ladies. Otherwise, <laughs> mainly Spe- ladies. Yo, speaking of mainly ladies, not only is it International Women's Day, and we love women at Oddfish. Not only is it International Women's Day, but we also have our first female guest ever on the podcast. So, round of applause for Haley Algo for appearing on the podcast. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> All right, y'all guys, calm down, calm down, guys. Thank you, everyone. Yo, chill out, hold on, hold on. Let her introduce herself. Guys, calm down. Thank you, thank you. Settle, settle, settle. (laughs) Yes, I am the first woman to appear on Oddfish. (laughs) Yes, I am the first white person (laughs) to be on Oddfish. So I'm really honored to carry the mantle. It's a revolutionary day. Groundbreaking episode. Yeah, y'all in one sphere are getting a lot of needed diversity, and the other sphere, (laughs) you're moving in the wrong direction. (laughs) So, yeah, the next female guest you have needs to not be, needs to not be white. Okay, in terms of wokeness and intelligence, we're totally moving in the right direction. Yeah. True. Because Haley is one of the most woke people wow. that we know. That oh is so fast. And we've got her on the podcast, so. Facts. Basically, 
basically the president of the UT School of Architecture <laughs> standing in before us today. I don't know about that. The, the, the student the president. Mayor. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the mayor. Um, <laughs> we got Poot. Not Poot. Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> <laughs> Poot Buttigieg. Uh, don't compare me to that man, please. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we're Animal Crossing style up in here. I'm the mayor of UTSOA. Charlton is like, whatever, I'm not going to make a bunch yeah. of Animal Crossing um, school of architecture references that like two people would understand. Um, well, I mean, they'd probably be our only two viewers, so Speaking of animals, get it. though, we have a little surprise for our Oddfish listeners and viewers. Interesting stuff going on in the tank. So what happened on Friday, Pranav? So... Let me paint the scene for you on Friday, bruh. I'm going home, just a regular day. Mm -hmm. uh, I come in, Rish is on the couch playing Rocket League, as usual. So just a like, regular day. Yeah, just a regular day. He's, he's playing Kanye for once, so I'm like, okay, that's kind of interesting. But anyways, <laughs> I uh, should have seen that as a sign. But I open the door to my room, and literally all of my friends are in my room throwing me a surprise party, and it was really wild, bruh. I, I had no idea what to say, but the biggest takeaway of it all is... And the smallest takeaway. And the smallest takeaway <laughs> is they got me a fish, bro. I am now... <laughs> I'm now a fish parent. And I don't have a name for my child. So if anybody has any suggestions yeah, we've for what I should Drizzy name... Yeah, we've been calling him Drizzy for a while. We said, uh, We're not calling Charlton. him Drizzy. Charlton. Charlton. It's got to be Charlton. Some suggestions have been thrown out there. Not a fan of any of them. So if anybody, <laughs> if anybody can help me out... Please, I don't have much more time before we just start calling him Drizzy by default. You can name him Corona, and then this like period will always be memorialized. That is true. That is true. You'll be like, oh yeah, that little guy, I got him in the coronavirus panic of 2020. True. If we don't all end up dying from the epidemic, I don't know what's going to happen. No, I'm not going to die because he's not committed. Exactly, yeah. I'm yeah. Not zero. No, yeah, we're, 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 <laughs> we're in it for the fight. Yeah. So Haley, what do you want to talk about? What are you here for? So today I want to talk about, well, I don't know. I had a hard time deciding what I wanted to talk of about. Course, of because course. Because I have an opinion about everything. True. It's kind of my thing. Am I, I'm allowed to swear on here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Y'all yeah. swear. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of my thing that I never shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> if y'all know me, you know that I never shut up. I always have something to say about everything. That's what we do here at Fish. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fit right in. So I literally have a list in my phone that's just like a note of a bunch of different fucking topics that I'm like, I could write an essay about this shit. <laughs> I have something to say about this. And it's all the most like weird niche stuff. I can't believe you guys didn't pick the one. So I sent this to... Yeah, Rishin she sent us like a plethora. She it was awesome. Basically a, a list of things, all right? Uh, no you big can't use no Haley big words, words, bro. Only Haley yeah, can use uh, Is Haley words like a thing? <laughs> We're going to make a Haley is now. <laughs> because we... Whatever, I'll, maybe I won't go into this digression. Um, but yeah, I can't believe y'all didn't pick the one that I really want to get into. I'm changing it up on y'all. This is a topic called The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. <laughs> oh no. Versus The Sweet, Sweet Life, Life on, on Deck. Deck all the and way. And how this mirrors the political changes in the American... <laughs> From the Bush era to the Obama era. Okay, saw the topic, loved it. The only thing is I haven't seen enough of either of those shows for me to have an educated opinion. That's the only thing. I started watching again last night, just in case. Well, I'm a bit of a scholar, but no, that's not, that's not what we're going to talk about today. Um, I want to talk about... Um, 
something that I feel like is pretty pertinent probably to most young people, probably most of y'all's listeners who are all kind of like indie types, I suppose. Um, kind of honored. The, the six we have. Yeah. <laughs> all six of y'all's listeners are very indie, very alt. You hear that, mom? You're indie. <laughs> <laughs> You're alt. So, you know, we got... I know y'all out there are Brockhampton boys. Of course. We definitely got a couple of those. I know we got our um, cyber goths. Um, you know, everybody in UTSOA is rocking that cyber goth <laughs> aesthetic. No. Um, but yeah, I want to talk a little bit about um, kind of niche aesthetics and the curatorial nature of identity in the social media era. Um, I know that was really a Haley word. No, 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 it was solid. And, um, and basically, we have already done a social media episode in the past, but this seems like uh, seems like uh, we're basically revamping it and uh, and making it better. So hopefully, you guys will listen to it more than you listened to the last one, <laughs> which is apparently a lot to ask for because none of y'all think season two is good. <laughs> I think season two is good. That's what I'm saying, bro. It's y'all and got that's those, why you're here. Y'all got those good guests. I'm telling you, bro. <laughs> We got stickers too. Yeah, I haven't, know. I haven't gotten a sticker. Well, what? That's your prize. Yeah, that's, oh, wow. that's what you get for coming in here and I, dealing with us. I earned it. Hit us, hit us with the facts, Haley. What, what do you mean by niche aesthetic? What do you mean by curatorial identity? Yeah, so basically, I think I want to start out by giving just a little crash course in kind of the history of the study of identity um you know i'm not the first person to have all these ideas about this stuff and i hate to pretend like i came up with all these ideas myself <laughs> no. um yeah we know you're not smart enough yeah i'm not i'm, I'm not actually that smart um <laughs> but basically there's this whole notion in um ethnography of cultural capital which basically is the way that we dress the way that we talk you know the way that we're educated all of these cultural things that provide us mechanisms for social mobility. So in the same way that economic capital provides us, um, you know, method of financial mobility, all of these cultural things about us also provide us leverage to move up and down in the kind of social hierarchy of whatever society you inhabit. Okay. Um, so this is originally a theory of this guy named Pierre Bourdieu um, from the wow, 70s. Wow. <laughs> no worries, I'm multicultural. Um, Coming to you live, this is Odd Fish in France. <laughs> um, so that's Without the, Corona. Yeah, yeah. Corona free, sans Corona. Um, <laughs> Basically, uh, so this really uh, prominent philosopher named Hebdiger then built on this kind of um, theory talking about subculture. So Hebdiger's whole thing is basically that subculture is like a symbolic means of resistance. And he wrote this really interesting book about subcultural scenes in post-war Britain, talking about everybody from punks to skinheads, like all of these Mm, different um, subcultures. And Hebdiger kind of says that the moment that a dominant society begins to recognize a subculture and take a look at that, then the subculture has actually lost its... Um, and it becomes the main culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of assimilated and co-opted into hmm. mainstream culture and the resistant power of subculture kind of begins to die. Um, so I think that's a really interesting way to look at things. And then the last part of my little crash course history is talking about this ethnographer named Susan Thornton, who in 1995 wrote a book that I think is really pertinent to what I think we're going to be talking about today, 
um, where she introduces the concept of subcultural capital. Um, and I just want to read a little quote from her here where she says... Um, oh, God, she's got quotes. I got bro. quotes. I'm citing <laughs> my sources. Um, but she says, contrary to youth subcultural ideologies, subcultures do not germinate from a seed and grow by force of their own energy into mysterious movements, only to be belatedly digested by the media. Rather, media and other cultural industries are there and effective right from the start. They're central to the process of subcultural formation. So I think that looking at the way that kind of niche aesthetics and subcultures manifest today and how a lot of that stems from being online, I think thinking about the way that that impacts our identities and then how we in turn bring those identities back to these sources of media is really kind of interesting to consider. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting to consider the way you were talking about cultures or subcultures in the, in the you know, post or pre-digital era yeah. because all of those things sort of originated... I don't quite agree with that quote. Obviously, she's very well-read and not Much me, smarter than you, bro. <laughs> but it's when you look at a culture, when you look at a niche aesthetic or anything, for me, the gut reaction is like, oh, it probably did originate from some seed or some inkling of an idea that mm-hmm. somebody came up with. And then eventually, you know, people assimilate and they find the same idea to be what they uh, read as w- what they are. Right. So it seems like any sort of subculture or niche aesthetic would uh, start with a little seed. But she says the opposite, or like not not necessarily the opposite, but like general media has an influence on that. That's a really interesting thing about. I think so too. I think uh, sometimes it can be shaped by significant individuals, but I also do think that like the general appeal of it is really important. Like for ex- like the example that comes to mind to me because it was so <laughs> so prevalent when I was growing up. But I don't think I don't think skate culture quotation marks would be so popular without odd future behind it, and specifically Tyler the Creator, right? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I mean, I think, you know, if we do look back to historical subcultural movements, um, looking like especially at the punk scene, you can see that like this was stuff where it was a subculture that was built on the ground, right? These were people going to punk mm-hmm. shows. These were people right. like living this kind of lifestyle. Right. Um, and, and so in that, you see a lot of like regional differences in different kind of punk scenes. So West Coast punks and East Coast punks had like, little bit of a rivalry back then or and then like London punk was completely different from all of that I think that you know now that you do have the kind of figure of the influencer be they just a social media influencer or you know um, kind of like zeitgeist of a movement like Mm -hmm. Tyler the Creator is for skating um, or like not even skating but like skate culture right um, I think that that, those are different. <laughs> yeah, I think that that gives um, I think that gives like subcultural movements kind of like a globalized force behind them where, you know, nowadays like emo kids probably don't go to emo shows. Like, right. they're emo just... shows, <laughs> quote unquote. Come on now, y'all. Don't, disres- <laughs> no, no, don't no. disrespect the emo scene. No, no, it's funny to generalize them as emo shows, you know? <laughs> no, well, I know. And, it, and, it's, and it's funny because emo actually is a genre that I feel like has come of age in the internet era, for right? For sure, for sure. And so it is almost funny to think about, like, an emo show scene. Exactly, yeah. Because that's not what that genre and subculture is about, necessarily. Right. It's not what they intended to you know, set out to do. Yeah. For sure. Well, what part of it do you guys think that, like, you know, the, the ideation or generation of a subculture or an aesthetic, what part of it do you think is, like, trying to be different from what mainstream does rather than trying to be an actual, like, individualistic idea? 
that's hard because it's i feel like it's so hard to tell like the difference between the two things because they go so hand in hand but i feel like well i personally hot take for me <laughs> this doesn't come come often but hot take for me wow. i personally think that there are pretty much no original ideas and everything comes from somewhere so in that response whether it's intentional or unintentional every new idea new movement new subculture is growing out in response to another one whether or not it was intended to be that way but, but what do i know bro? Bold take, bold yeah take. i know for real <laughs> <laughs> i'm a i'm a, a stick i'm a stick one. with it bro but... <laughs> no i mean i think that there's a lot of validity to that and i think you know it's funny i think about like fucking catcher in the rye and like holding caulfield and the notion of like yeah. the phony and everybody yeah. you know and it is easy to feel in architecture school even it's easy to feel like everything's been done before for sure yeah, for right? sure in any and, creative discipline for that matter yeah like you're just taking aspects of what other people have done and like putting your own twist on it i don't know that i believe that mm-hmm. i don't know that everything's been done before um but I think it ties a little bit back to what we were talking about. I'm not saying everything is done before. Just I know, like I know, yeah, 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 but like yeah. just to clarify, I'm saying like <laughs> I'm saying there's no original idea. Like everything is influenced by something else. Of course, That's it. yeah, That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I mean, culture and we do not exist in a vacuum. Yeah, right. There is no, in that sense, there is no original seed of any movement. Right. right. It's all influenced mm-hmm. by other stuff, and as you know, spheres of influence widen in the social media era, I think that that becomes more and more apparent. Yeah, um, so so like you were saying, the geography factor is starting to become less and less important uh, as social media grows in power. And I know you were talking about it in terms of punk, but like I feel like you see it manifest in hip-hop too just because, you know, that's what I know best. But like there's no, there's no East Coast and West Coast hip-hop anymore, right? Styles are now being defined by what you want to sound like versus what everyone else around you sounds like where we live. You know, we live in an age where J. Cole and DaBaby are from the same state, you know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> the, the geography factor of it is much less important than it used to be. Yeah, for sure. You see that also my some of my knowledge is of like the drag scene and you see a lot in in drag and if you go back and all of you guys should go back and watch Paris is Burning which is just a seminal work of um queer history but if you go watch that movie you'll see that a lot of what is represented there is of specifically the New York LGBT and drag scene back right. in this is back in like the 80s and New York had such an identity to it you see, you know, Houston drag had such a style to it, mm-hmm. or, um, you know, Atlanta drag had such a style to it. Right. It's not really like that so much anymore. And if you go to drag shows here in Austin, it's not like everybody's doing the same style of drag, right? Mm-hmm. There's people who do more of, like, um, like camp drag, or there's people who do more of, like, what... I, I, don't, I guess I don't need to give y'all a whole crash course in all the different like, yeah, styles, yeah, yeah. Of, <laughs> styles of drag, but now people, like, group together um, based on their aesthetic yeah, rather than their um, geographical identity. Um, I think those two go hand in hand, too, I mean, for the most part, because aesthetics are just visual appeals of sort of the first thing that is a, you know, gut um, assimilation factor for us. When you look at someone or when you look at something your visual representation of it is the first thing you sort of assimilate with. So for sure. aesthetic is like, whether we're scrumbling, uh, scrolling through Tumblr or Twitter or whatever, you know, <laughs> it's like visual is what appeals to us at first. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's interesting to consider like the visual aspects of a lot of these subcultures, which a lot of them do stem back from music, right? 
And mm-hmm. Susan Thornton in her book is actually studying um, the club scene of club mm-hmm. music and the transition of music being played live to recorded music being played in mm-hmm. clubs and how that kind of like introduced this whole notion of what's authentic and what's like phony or being a poser. Um, right. It's funny that you mentioned Tumblr. We were talking a little bit about Tumblr before we started <laughs> recording. But I think that for a lot of young adults and for probably a lot of people our age specifically, for me, I know, definitely, like coming of age in the Tumblr era had like a massive impact on my sense of self and my sense of identity and how I like saw my sense of identity. Right. Because basically you're just being inundated with a series of like associative images of different styles and Mm -hmm. different, you know, people representing different art styles and fashion styles and all of this stuff. That's how I used Tumblr, at least. Yeah, I know there's right. all I kinds mean, of shit on there. Tumblr was a pretty simple social media mm-hmm. you know, realm in that sense. You follow people that you want to you know, that you want to follow and that represent your identity, and then there's hashtags and whatever else, just like any other social media. But like you're saying, it was all based on the visual, so like a certain a certain image of a sunset or a certain clothing thing. Or, you know, it's just it defines your whole mood board, and you start to, like you said earlier curate your own identity in that way yeah and so your blog becomes like i mean you uh, for y'all who are not versed in tumblr you re-blog <laughs> stuff please <laughs> <laughs> but you re-blog stuff and it goes onto your blog which is really just like a curatorial mood board of whatever aesthetic you want to be representing right yeah. right um which is a really interesting way to do social media because it's not necessarily super social yeah. it's more just about kind of aggregating an overall i mean it's like you're a curator of a museum and yeah. your blog is you your are whole, the museum yeah and right wow that was <laughs> Damn. Instagram crazy cool. stuff, bro yeah that's making the instagram cool. <laughs> the worst part is i'm just thinking about my tumblr and i'm like wow i know i haven't it really is just me <laughs> i haven't been on my tumblr account since definitely since i started college so yeah it would be disturbing for me to go back and be like how was i like posturing myself in that way but I think you like so Tumblr is a thing where probably most of your friends in real life don't follow your Tumblr, right? So yeah. in that sense, it's like who Which am is I? Even weirder. Yeah, who am I doing it for? Yeah. And I think you're doing it for yourself. You're doing it. It's like a journal. It is like a journal, but it's like a journal where you're testing out aspects of yourself. Mm-hmm. And in a way, that makes it so different than the social medias we use right now, because so much of what we do is not for us; it's for all of our friends, right. our family, it's the whatever. Of the public eye. Right. Yeah. Instagram in that way is a hyper performative kind of space where, you know, you see people being absolutely obsessive about the way that hey, their Instagram feed comes up. <laughs> no, dude, yeah, you're talking to the Instagram lord himself. Be careful. I know. Oh, no, well, on, I'm always on. impressed with Rish's like curated, like he has those, really those color spreads and the different photos. I'm like, wow. Um, wow, he weighs so much time. Wow. No, but I think we He really misses his Tumblr days. I think we all do it. Like, I think if you go back and look back at like 2012 Instagram, right? People are just like posting pictures of whatever like oh yeah like, they're like here's a picture here's of a like chair. a chair <laughs> <laughs> hashtag <it's>, chair <laughs> it's like the most fried picture ever <laughs> like several baths in the deep fryer like come out all crunchy there's that one filter that everyone used like xc 300 yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. oh my god but it's really it's really changed a lot and i think now and i'm guilty of this too like my instagram is definitely curated and i go back and archive old shit that i'm like this isn't the performative image i want to yeah. be projecting to mm-hmm. people and then i think you get into the concept of having a finsta 
which for a long time I was I like really resisted that I was like I don't need to have a finsta I, I should feel all, all the, yeah. I should feel comfortable posting whatever I want on yeah, my main Instagram, but ew, no. <laughs> well, it's an interesting dichotomy with what identity is in social media today because the whole point of social media was for you for you to be able to represent yourself and portray your identity in a very authentic way. Right. But now we have things like finsta like you're bringing up our private stories, private yeah. Snapchats, whatever it is. That's like completely ripped the irony out of the what social media was meant for. For sure. So now you have people like giving their identity to ten people, and yeah. the rest of it is their is true what? identity. Yeah, yeah it, like yeah, because I think well, I think the original purpose of social media was for social interaction, right? Mm-hmm. But how much of Instagram is actually about that today now? Right. No, it's about you like well perfecting the perfect version of yourself to portray to other people yeah Yeah. that or the fact that we've minimalized social interaction to a like you know yeah here's a like i just interacted with pranav (laughs) congrats yeah i don't even know if you do like my post bro (laughs) (laughs) well yeah and you should give him like a little obligatory like you're like this photo's absolute shit (laughs) but you only have 27 so here's a like that's kind of interesting thinking about now the fact that instagram has phased out being able to see the number of likes yeah can you actually not see them anymore yeah dude if, it's they're like phasing it into people's accounts but right now like if i go on my Ooh. insta feed it just says like one name and others it does not show you the number and if you click that's it you crazy. can't see other people no you can that's only see crazy. it on your own oh my god which well I mean, you can go in and count everyone I guess. yeah yes <laughs> um but i almost feel like that provides a little bit of an impetus for people to be a little less worried about what they post and how many likes it's gonna get and well, you I know, don't know this is so like topical like no, no, no. social media bad it makes, I mean, no, no. it makes sense and you know it, it wouldn't be an episode if i didn't bring it up but this is something that kanye has been talking about a lot this past year about how he's Ooh. been uh so, oh you know you might have, might have heard of him no, once or twice that? Kanye who? It's just this this guy oh, that I follow. Um, Which one? Bro, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> no. But um, it's something that Kanye said. He was like kind of in conversations with the CEO of Twitter about how to get uh, the number of likes removed from what you can actually view because uh, because then people can be more genuine about themselves and not worry about, you know, what other people will think of them uh, as a result of it. So I think it's uh, I think it's a step in the right direction in terms of being more genuine on social media. Yeah. I think maybe to take it back in a little bit to the concept of like niche aesthetics. For sure. Right. Um, this is something that I've been really obsessed with ever since I first learned about Vaporwave. Um, Uh-oh. Which, Uh-oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like, Vaporwave to me is such an interesting, like, historical moment in mm-hmm. the history of the internet. I just said historical in the history. <laughs> in the history. Whoops. Speaking mad uh, facts. <laughs> <laughs> facts, dude. Um, but, so, so, Vaporwave was something that was, it was intended to be a meme. It was right. always intended to be a joke and an ironic kind of look at, um how consumerist culture impacts music and you know basically vaporwave was like a case study in all of the shit that we're talking about right now but some people took it seriously and now like you go to fucking forever 21 or whatever and you see like vaporwave on a t-shirt yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um and so you know a bunch of different other like little micro identities I hesitate to even call them identities, but like styles, I guess, right. came yeah. out of that. Where yeah, aesthetics. You, aesthetics, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is, no, it comes back to aesthetic, um, where you have, you know, you guys know health goth? No. Health goth was a really weird thing for a while. Um, the big thing now is cottage core, which is like, 
I don't even know how to describe it. I'm, if you, well, we have video, so I guess we can see how I'm looking at Haley, like I'm, <laughs> like I'm literally, up, like bro? she's, like she's speaking What's Japanese. Up, <laughs> I'm like, bro, health goth. <laughs> yeah, <y'all are> killing <laughs> me. What? <laughs> that um, is funny. Yeah, but so, so you know, all of these different little micro identities come out of it, which is really interesting to see how people took this thing that was kind of supposed to be a joke for and sure. Then, really run with it and and for the most part i don't know like tumblr is interesting because you can have a whole blog that's dedicated to the aesthetic of vaporwave but not act like that or dress like that at all in your real life because it isn't anything in real life right it's something that exclusively was meant to exist in digital space right Right. which is something like that goes back to the the same kind of aesthetics or things we were talking about before like punk or anything like that this could never exist back in the day like just it's impossible Mm -hmm. so that begs the question like is physical space still necessary for an identity or can we start forming our own, you know, aesthetic identity, our own personal brand, quotation mark, without any geography slash physical space even required? I think that that comes back. I'll make it political because everything's political. Oh, um, we, we love it, bro. <laughs> we, you love to see it. Dude, the other day I said to somebody, everything in the world is political. And Dean Addington, the dean of our school, was right there, and she heard me say it, and she turns to me, and she says, I feel like that describes everything you do. (laughs) And I was like, what? Was that supposed to be a compliment? Yeah, are you shooting me? Or a diss? What's up, bro? Um, I mean, you are the mayor, so. I am the mayor of a school, so, you know, I gotta keep it political. But I think that 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 really gets at this idea of, like, Twitter and, like, doing, like... Like, doing politics, just, and I'm doing air quotes, um, <laughs> being just, like, posting online. Like, posting is not necessarily doing politics. You need to be out there on the ground organizing. You need to be actually fighting for people to have a better life. But then I say all of this, and am I, like, yeah. I don't get to, like, get out there and canvas as nearly as much as you know, I We got a friend to. you should meet. His, main, his name is Eli. Maybe you oh, heard of him once yeah. or twice. Yeah, he's a brony. <laughs> 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 Mission accomplished. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's a really interesting uh, issue, though, because I think so much of today's world, whether it's protests or political realm, happens in the digital world. And for sure, you know whether whether Eli's out there going door to door and doing the actual dirty <laughs> work. You know, yeah, a lot of it is like Andrew Yang could tweet something and get like three hundred million whatever likes or whatever. Yeah, and that that's it. Like that's that's his win of the day. Yeah. Whereas the people that are canvassing for him or doing the door door dirty work are really not like they don't, they're not the actual winners if, if all he does is sends out a tweet and that gets the main attention of the public. Yeah, I mean they're not the ones who are being celebrated, but they're the ones who are actually enacting material change. For sure. And I you know, I say all of this not to be like social media is pointless or whatever. Like right. I think that the advent of social media is the single probably greatest cultural advancement of the past century and things are moving so fast now like in the past mm-hmm. yeah, 10 years sure. things have changed so so much i know you all have already done your social media episode no no go on um, no no this is fire this, this is, is fire. Fire. this is better already yeah no, um but you know i think we do have to be careful about what counts as real life and and in you know particularly for subcultures like is the question of still having a space as a subculture important I think that having space and having kind of like material, tangible um, space. A canvas. Really. Something to ground yeah, it yeah. down something, to reality. Something to be grounded in, I think, is really important, especially when it's a subculture 
which, you know, maybe this term sub, the term subculture doesn't apply, but, you know, like, people who are out there fighting for Bernie, like, we need to have physical space to mm-hmm. actually yeah. enact a revolution, right? We can't just do it online because, you know, as important as being online seems to us, yeah. the majority of people aren't online the majority of people like you tweeting and owning somebody on twitter isn't gonna actually right you know pay for somebody's health care right exactly yeah and yeah. i think a lot of it is is going back to the geographical issue so if you have a whole yeah for sure if you have like a rally or something and it's if it's just let's say bernie does a live stream of a rally that's not going to be nearly as meaningful as bernie coming to your hometown in your town square and speaking to the issues that matter to you in front of you yeah you know for I mean? sure Damn, bro, it's like public space is important. Yeah, Yeah. Um, going back to this whole idea of like aesthetics and identity uh, in terms of place, especially as a relation to an architect, uh, an architect's role, uh, because something we deal a lot with in our job is placemaking, which is essentially the idea of how you make something unique to a certain group of people Mm -hmm. uh, that would be in this space. So like, how do we make this, uh, this place unique to the people of Austin? And I think... The demand for that is a result of almost a subculture countering this big internet global culture that we're forming because nowadays people choose to study in local coffee shops versus Starbucks or one of the larger like omnipresent com- conglomerates and things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, I just think it's interesting to notice that people are almost reclaiming place in this day and age, I guess. I don't know. Cool, cool to see, bro. Cool to see. <laughs> yeah, I think as architects, though, we have to be cautious about how much we're trying to impose place upon a place. For sure. How much we're going in and trying to, and this is like our whole studio project right now. I was going to say, yeah, it really <laughs> speaks to what we're doing. Um, but, you know, how much we're going in and saying, okay, here's the culture of this area. Here's the good things that we're seeing. Now let's make a real sense of place for these people. Right. But it's like, who are we to come in and yeah, say, we're sure. going to make a place for you? Um, you know, place place is people. Architecture is people. Mm-hmm. And right. we have like, to keep that in mind. Like Thor said, bro, Asgard is not a place. It's a <laughs> it's people. A people. <laughs> Damn. Really makes, really makes you think. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, we're, we're like, for, for example, you're talking about our studio, and our studio is based in San Antonio, and when we went... It's pretty clear that San Antonio has a very clear identity of who the people are and their culture and their visual aesthetic. Like you can see the murals, the colors of the buildings, the the tiles that you see everywhere. Like it's a very clear aesthetic, and this goes back to what kind of identity that entire demographic represents visually. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think, like you're saying, if we don't have that physical grounding element in real life, then you're not going to give people one the canvas to express themselves and embrace themselves, or either, you know, just. <laughs> have have a place to be who they actually are yeah Yeah. um we were talking a bit i think off mic about like the kind of co-opting of these kind of cultural signifiers or aesthetics and utilizing those to turn a profit and those things kind of being co-opted just for the engine of capital to you know drive consumer interests and i think you know you can see that in san antonio where you know you go to a gift shop and you can buy something that's just like the essence of san antonio but i think you i mean you also see when you go to forever 21 and there's like shirts with like you know vaporwave like japanese katakana (laughs) on them for sure classic capitalism bro we can't even have culture anymore absolute classic capitalism (laughs) no half price ramen t-shirt i got from marshall's one year ago (laughs) And I think one of the most kind of damaging ways this takes form is something like Haley was talking about in terms of fast fashion in that it's so easy to kind of like 
rip off the next big trend and mass produce it on a like smaller, more generic, more easy to create scale and uh, and sell them to pretty much anybody looking for this identity. And you can see it uh, in things like things like even H&M that are, you know, trying to copy the fashion brands uh, like Supreme and uh, working this way, this like fast fashion trend is so, so harmful for the environment because of the waste it creates. So now not only are you profiting off the need to belong to a certain culture, but you're sacrificing our environment in order to do it, bro. But I think speak a lot of that is crazy. Speak on it. I, I, I completely agree with you, but I think a lot of that is stemming from the current way we operate as a society, which is very capitalist. Yeah. And so that's that's probably the motive behind all these things because people don't really look into the first issue being sustainability or green you know for sure. issues we do be living in a society though <laughs> that's fact we do <laughs> shout out on other episode <laughs> we do be crushed under the boot of capitalism though. um but no i mean i think that's like that is the question like how many times and you know going back to this idea of authenticity how many times does something have to appear on a t-shirt at forever 21 before it's not your subculture anymore yeah, right before it's not cool at all anymore and now it's just an accessory for somebody to adopt and maybe that gets back more to the issue of counterculture that's than subculture say, yeah. right um i in in you know that's kind of interesting to you know some people too. believe that all subcultures are countercultures but i'm, I'm not going to speak for anybody <laughs> well, in this situation no, i don't know i think it's interesting to think about like some things that you might call like niche aesthetics <laughs> yeah. nowadays like um, like the insta baddie kind of <laughs> yeah. aesthetic that's like not particularly. What did you say about me? <laughs> <laughs> apologies, apologies. <laughs> but it's, it's like not particularly counterculture. Like it's just taking aspects of already like consumers' fashion and just heightening them, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, so is that still like a subculture or is that just like a style? Is that just like a way of dressing? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. These are the, these are the questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I know. I said that like I was gonna have an answer, but I no. <laughs> We're just like. Hmm. Yeah. I was. I was like, hmm. what, what's gonna happen next? I, I can't wait. Um, I think half of the issue with social media is that when you start to assimilate with Insta baddies, as I am, or uh, <laughs> any of the other um, social media defined personalities or identities or aesthetics, you start to put on. A facade of someone that already exists out there you know mm-hmm. for you, sure you start to assimilate with somebody who's already an insta and you're like okay i want to be rich so. <laughs> as i say to myself every time i'm scrolling through my feed <laughs> god i hate myself <laughs> i hate you too bro oh my lord i love to see such friendship <laughs> it's really beautiful only the oddest of fish but oh, i think true. that there is here we go an element element. (laughs) there's an element of how we've created technology but i think at this point it's become this entire cycle of technology creating us so whatever we put into it and whatever algorithms that we've designed to create all these you know social media platforms or whatever whether it's a dating app or linkedin app like we are putting into it a certain number of numbers and codes and then what we get out of it is really us it's It's just a reflection of that exactly right yeah. So. And I think I think in terms of like what like we have to interrogate at their core, why do these social media websites exist? Mm-hmm. At their I mean, I don't know, I'm about to maybe oh I'm about to be a little Hypothetical. too oh no, boy. a little too socialist on this podcast, maybe, <laughs> but, um, You definitely can't be more socialist than Eli. But at their but at their core, all of these companies exist to turn a profit, right? The the exclusive motivation of every company under capitalism is to turn a profit. Yep. And so 
I think we have to be really critical of how these algorithms are set up to like for sure to curate our identities and to want us to assimilate to these identities because punk back in its original days or you know even like some of these localized hip hop aesthetics for which sure. were not just aesthetics they were a way of life the motivation cultures. yeah there were cultures yeah. the motivation behind them was not for a certain like industry to make money right yeah. but now you know you have what whatever like in, the insta baddie aesthetic <laughs> is literally like it's making instagram money as they're being able to run ads for these accessories mm-hmm, that like right. you can buy to make yourself look like these people yeah. so i think we have to really interrogate those aspects of ourselves and i'm sure that like i fall into these traps all the time too like yeah, we, we all do yeah uh, definitely i mean from each personality and each aesthetic comes an entire wave of branding and clothing yeah. and makeup and whatever else that really allows you to become an insta baddie so <laughs> oh god basically, <laughs> well, basically the whole thing is like all those social media like you guys were saying is a huge cultural advancement and can be uh it can be really good for all of us the core of it does not have our best interests at heart and it's just it's just important to like take that into account every once in a while and make sure you're aware of it yeah. Before you turn into someone you're not. Wow. That's deep, bro. That's deep. <laughs> Instagram quote part two. <laughs> Insta baddie. From- <laughs> Instagram quote from the Insta baddie. Yeah. The title of this episode has to be something about. It, it's going to have to be. <laughs> Insta, Insta baddies and Brockhampton boys. <laughs> and, that's you, and that's you too. I don't know where I fit in. <laughs> you're both. I'm both. <laughs> What else we got? All right. Yeah. Is there is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, not that comes to mind immediately. Get out there and vote for Bernie. <laughs> just kidding. It's, Little plug. It's too late oh for gosh, all y'all Texas bro. listeners. Y'all didn't do but good But when enough. he's back in the primary. But yes, when Bernie becomes or when he's in the, real. the nominee. Yes, ma'am. Don't give True. up. Don't give up hope. This was never going to be an easy fight. So <laughs> keep fighting. Who's Joe anyway? Never is. Who's Joe? <laughs> Fuck a Joe Biden. I, I, I don't know her. Who is she? Okay. Anyways, before we start losing followers over this, we should probably cut the episode pretty soon. Um, but Haley, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for speaking your mind. Thanks for educating our listeners in ways that we could never. It's Aww. been a pleasure having you here. Thanks for having me. This I gotta tell you guys, this was an item on my 2020 bucket list. Oh, on, are you serious? On, How bad is your bucket list? <laughs> <laughs> no, at the beginning of the semester, I was like, all right, my goal for the semester is to be on the pod. Well, and then three I, months in. Yeah, yeah. So cross that one off. My 2020's gone pretty well. Oh, that's so awesome. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> well, you can add it to your LinkedIn. You can add it to your resume. <laughs> Oddfish guest. Yeah. <laughs> and if any of you would like to follow in Haley's footsteps True. and add it to your resume and be a guest on our episode, Just let us know. Talk to Haley. She's taking Talk over. <laughs> I would be fielding all requests and vetting all potential episode ideas. Of so. course. And um, as we've talked about on this episode, social media is a big aspect of how we run shit around here. So... Give us a like and follow on Instagram. <laughs> Give us a shout out on Twitter with hashtag oddfish. Leave us a message on Anchor. You know the usual. This might be the first time you've done it instead of me, so I it might know. not be the usual. <laughs> Social the media unusual. mogul over here. Right? For real. <laughs> Insta baddie coming to you live from the oddfish <laughs> studios. <laughs> Once again, thank you, Haley. Thank you. It's been you. a wonderful episode. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>